Even with two of their weapons missing, Tom Brady and the Bucks keep rolling. Plus, we've been resisting. But is it time to acknowledge the team in the desert as the best team in the NFL? We discussed that so much more. This is the Monday Morning Extra Point. Len Martez joined by former NFL quarterback Brandon Dowdy. Before we get heavy into week seven of the NFL, allow me to remind you to follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Dowdy. Follow me at Elmont810. Most of all, follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation. And don't forget to hit up BucksNation.com for all your latest news on the Super Bowl champs. And no matter how you found this podcast, whether it's Spotify, iHeart, or Apple, hit that subscribe button so that you get this podcast and others when a new podcast comes out. Well, Mr. Dowdy, um, it looks like the Bucks want to continue to keep winning as they did yesterday, even with all, well, I shouldn't say all, but two of their biggest weapons missing in, in Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. Still with the secondary uh, suffering some injuries on the starters, but the Bucks keep rolling, man. And one of the reasons why they keep rolling is uh, TB12, who had a, another day yesterday, four touchdowns, leads the NFL in touchdowns, leads the NFL in passing yards, seven games in. This team is rolling and 6-1 for the first time in franchise history. Yeah, the Bucks are... Uh, the best team in the NFL. Uh, I know you you opened up with Woo! the desert. But no, you no, called man. Them the best, you called the Bucks the best team in the NFL. Yeah, they are. No, it's no doubt in my mind. They're, I think their defense is gaining some confidence. Uh, I think this was a confidence game. Whoever plays the the Bears, it's it's good for your statistics. I mean, the Bears' <laughs> offense is so trash that I it just it's just. It's, uh, it's it's good for your third down efficiency. It's good down for your fourth down efficiency. It's good for your confidence on getting turnovers. Or as so defense. let's back up a second. So there are five other teams. Well, actually, four of the teams with one loss or less in the NFC, and you're calling the Bucks the best team. Yet. I'm not. I'm not doubting you. I mean, I, yeah. I, I just want to make I mean, sure. How, how, I mean, I just want to make sure how, we're here because it is October 25th. I want to get you on record for saying that. Because, I love it. I because love it. Come November next week, I don't want you switching up on me. No, but you know why I'm not gonna switch up on you, Lennon? And you know what it comes down to? And it's funny, funny that you say this. One, Tom Brady's age is like not a factor. It's like literally like it's just a number. You know, like when you meet meet a girl and you she's like a little bit too old for you or something, and you're like, Man, age is just another number, baby. Like, this is how I feel with my relationship with Tom Brady. Like, it's <laughs> I'm not kidding, dude. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, this dude, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, man, he moves. This dude moves out of the pocket good. He he he's using his feet better than I've seen him in like three or four years. He's he's getting first downs with his legs. He's extending plays with his feet, finding receivers down the field. It seems like they're peaking. Um, and, and they're doing it in a multiple, multiple different ways. Like they're able to run the football efficiently for the first time. Leonard Fournette is becoming like a top 10 running back in the national football league before your eyes. It's kind of feeling like for me, it's kind of feels like Leonard Fournette made the best business decision he could possibly make by staying with Brady another year and taking that pay cut. Uh, because I think he's, his payday is coming. And I think he saw, foresaw for us to be a championship contender in in the sunny state of Florida, we have to be able to run the football efficiently, and they're doing that at a really high level. 
You mentioned the defense. They forced five turnovers yesterday, had four sacks. Also, the running game, they ran the ball. They had almost 180 yards rushing the football yesterday. And, and you know, for what it's worth, they did play the Bears, who are now three and four. And again, in a game that the Bucs won 38 to three. Bucs didn't score much in the second half, didn't need to. But man, they make it look really easy when they want to. And you can pick and choose different spots of the game to, to say you're impressed with stuff. But I was impressed with the way they ran the football, even late, because they, they did it. Certainly some, some of it was done with Tom not even in, in the football game. And yeah, you can talk about the Bears probably giving up at some point yesterday. But I mean, Justin Fields played the whole game. They literally had him out there with, with zeros on the clock in the fourth quarter. So they probably didn't give up too much when it came to playing that football game. But, man, they protect him the way they, they, they protect Tom. He's been sacked just nine times in seven games. I mean, you mentioned the fact that he's buying extra time in the pocket. Yeah, you wouldn't think he's 44 years old. And, again, as I mentioned earlier, he's leading the league in, in touchdowns and he's leading the league in passing yards. Yeah, he is. And, and on the opposite side, if you transfer into the opposite side of this game, you got a guy like Matt Nagy, whose seat is it tremendously hot. I mean, it's it's smoking hot at this point. It looks like he's just a little bit lost. Then I, I hear this morning he gets hit with COVID. So he's <laughs> now he's getting some hot, cold. Now he's got a fever. I mean, that thing is hot, Bob. And 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 you know, I, I think, and this is me. I think if you see and compare and contrast just yesterday, just watching that football game, the experience of Tom Brady versus the inexperience of Justin Fields. And I mean, well, really two things there. One is Tom, the game is moving so slow. When you say things like, man, that looks so easy. They're doing it so easy. Why, why, why does it look so easy? Because the defense is being identified before they even show what the coverage is. And what I mean by that is Tom's seen every, absolutely everything that you possibly can run from for decades, literally the evolution of the game. When he first came to the league, it was man coverage. It was cover four. It was two man on third down. And that was it. Now he's seeing these exotic blitzes. He's seeing these RPOs. He's using, utilizing these RPOs. The evolution of his game has slowed the game down in his mind. So he's playing faster than the defense can react. On the opposite side, you have Justin Fields, who, quote unquote, I don't mean to call him out, but my boy did say that the game was not as fast <laughs> as he thought it was going to be early in the preseason. And what my, my, <laughs> when he said that, let him laughing because when he said that, I thought, there's three different speeds in the game. And I wasn't blessed enough to, to be able to, to actually witness these hand in hand, but from Ryan Tannehill, from Matt Moore, from Jay Cutler, who have all played at very high levels, they've all told me that there's preseason speed, there's practice speed, there's preseason speed, there's regular season speed, and there's playoff speed. And when it gets to the playoffs, it tears up from each round that you go into speed-wise. You're looking at a guy like Tom Brady, who has played in, uh, what's he got, seven Super Bowls? He's played in, I don't even know how many. That speed is the fastest the game can possibly get. People reacting the quickest. When he's in preseason, <laughs> like Justin Fields was, and saying this game wasn't that fast, now it seems like it's speeding up for him. I mean that, and because he's missing protections, he's not knowing when he's hot. 
he's holding the ball way too long. He's relying on his, his athletic ability way too much when he's got defensive linemen and defensive ends that run just as fast as he, he does. And you got a guy like Tom Brady, 5'4", five, 4'4". Four, four. He might run a 5'5", five, five, five right now. And he's dissecting people with their mind. And so um, just the evolution, I just thought I found that interesting watching this game, just the new school quarterback versus the old school quarterback and just how much easier the game looked on Tampa's side and how everything felt earned on, on, on Chicago's side. That's just how I felt. Is it easy for you to see that Justin Fields is struggling reading coverages? Yeah. Well, one, the, the, thing he's re- the things that he's struggling are, his protections is one. He's not, he doesn't, he's so worried about everything else, like schemes. I don't know if they ran as many schemes as in, in Nagy's offense as they ran at Ohio State. Have they ran different variations of things? Have they had option routes? Have they had beaters for different coverages? I don't think they did that. I think he was just going through progressions. And now he has to realize oh, shoot, I might have two plays at the line of scrimmage. I might have three plays at the line of scrimmage. I might have four plays at the line of scrimmage. And I have to determine based upon what coverage they're in. And they ain't showing it. They're just they're disguising it as well as anyone can in the world. And now I have to react to that. Oh, wait, by the way, I have to forget about my protection and see if I'm hot. If I'm not hot, if I am hot, I can't throw a ball. So it's easy for me to see harder for like probably the casual fan to see, but he, he, you can just tell he's not communicating at the line of scrimmage very well. The center is doing all the mic identification. I was getting ready to say that. Cause I heard it yesterday. I heard it and I would hear 51's the mic, which was Kevin Minter. And mm-hmm. I'm looking and I'm like, that's not fields calling that out. No, it was a that's center. Not, the center yeah, that's not Fields calling that's, that out. That's the that's the evolution of the game, bro. Like that's how that's a good indicator if you're just casually watching the game. Who's making the mic calls? Because the guy that's making the mic calls, and there's some really elite quarterbacks that don't do it. They just confirm it, or they reign superior to what the center initially calls. So if a, if a center calls 51 the mic, and I'm the quarterback seeing it from a different angle. And I think I have pressure to the right side. I can make, instead of 51 being the mic, 57 can be the mic, who is essentially the Sam. And what we're doing is we're booking the will. So the will is in, we know that the will, I feel the Sam linebackers, strong side of the field, are going to be threats to come. So you, you'll hear Tom, sometimes the center calls it and then he'll reconfirm it. Be like, hey, you got 51, right? You got 51. And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah 51, 51. And then that tells me that's just Tom's evolution in the game and seeing it. But I'm, I'm hoping that Fields realizes the importance of his mind rather than being more important than his physical attributes and his athleticism rather than his mind. So, and I don't want to foreshadow, but that's what's going on with Mahomes. He's gotten so used to being the most athletic guy, making any throw at any time, any place, anywhere, where his mind has gone into the, the has been submerged in to, oh, it doesn't really matter what they do. And it's, it turns into, I hate to say this, but capital L word laziness of not, not knowing what coverage is. And I'm saying, I don't matter what the coverage is. I'm just going to throw it to, to, I'm going to use my athleticism to throw this ball. So I'm hoping Fields doesn't, he translates to understand like how important his mind is rather than over his physical nature and running a four, three. He's Brandon Dowdy, Len Martez. This is the Monday Morning extra point. You're getting all that 
quarterback information because Mr. Dowdy is a former NFL quarterback in the NFL. So before we move on from the Bucks game, let's point out the fact that, and yes, they are 6-1 and one for the first time in franchise history. But coming up, just to foreshadow a little bit, they play the Saints in New Orleans, then have their bye, then are at Washington, host the Giants, play the Colts in Indianapolis, and then take on the Falcons. I bring that all up because the Bucs want to continue stacking those wins because, as I mentioned earlier, they are one of five teams in the NFC with one loss or less. Speaking of one of those teams with one loss or less, how about the Packers? Everybody had the Packers doomed after their 38-3 to loss against New Orleans in week one. Well, since then, they've won six straight. They've done it ha-hum with uh, the, I mean, arguably, you can, if you want to call Tom Brady the GOAT, the second-best quarterback in the NFL being Aaron Rodgers, who just simply goes out every Sunday, throws three touchdowns and doesn't throw any picks and puts his team in a position to win football games. But, Brandon, yesterday the Packers did it a little bit of a defense. They got four sacks against the Washington football team, winning 24-10. to 10. And again, are now six and one, and they're laying in the weeds, man. Nobody wants to talk about the Packers or Lambeau Field, but and somehow, somewhere, they find a way. And I know last year they had the NFC Championship game playing at home, and they lost to the Bucks. But somehow, somewhere, these Lam- these uh, Packers find a way to get home field advantage in Green Bay in January. I don't know about losing two years in a row in the NFC Championship. No, not going to happen. No, uh, that's that's. For, for the firmos, that's not going to happen. Packers are playing uh, a, a game of football. They're, they, they've simplified the game of football. And what I mean by that is they've done a really good job of like Aaron does all these, a lot of these, and you see it, you said it in, when you open this up, is that he doesn't turn the ball over. Why does he turn the ball over? Why is the ball never really in jeopardy, quote unquote? And what I mean by in jeopardy is is 50-50 balls. One, he's got Devontae Adams, who's the best receiver in the game. Two, what he does is is they run these RPOs. And Aaron has, has the ability to run whatever RPO based on the coverage that he can run. So let's say the two guys, uh, if you, they're in a slot formation or a three-man receiver side, and there's three guys are just pressed up, three DBs are pressed up in man coverage, Aaron can pick from his little man beaters, picks, quote-unquote, that you say, and he can dissect a defense by just understanding which, which play is best based on the leverage. And they just wear you out with that. And then they got Aaron Jones in the backfield too. And when he gets a clean box, he gives it to Aaron Jones. Aaron does the things that winning quarterbacks do. He does the things that like Tom does week in and week out. And that means he doesn't waste a play. He doesn't, he's, he doesn't um, run into a bad look. He doesn't, you know, run a, uh, a zone scheme into, you know, four guys when you only have three guys to block. He didn't, that never happens. He runs, that's why you quote unquote say, clean game that's what that's what that means and so um for me the Packers are are dangerous because of that but on the opposite side I thought Washington had a chance to win this game the things that (laughs) Green Bay did was they made winning plays Washington made losing plays they didn't convert on a couple fourth downs in the red four well let's just say uh fourth down converting situations in the red zone where they were fourth and one or fourth and two they didn't do a good job of converting when the opportunity presents itself, the difference between playing a guy like Tyler Henneke versus a guy like Tom Brady, Tom Brady is going to 
know when he has to convert, has to, quote unquote, has to convert these plays to win a football game. So when that presents itself, I truly think this team, Washington played the best defensive game they've played all year. Everybody's been knocking how bad this defense has played this year, how under under uh, performing this defense has been. I thought they had a really good scheme for Aaron. They they didn't give him really anything easy. He had to earn everything in this game. But then again, he didn't he didn't do he didn't make the big mistake where Washington didn't do anything to capitalize on him not making the big mistake, just playing the game. <laughs> so I, I thought it was an interesting game. I watched I watched a lot of this game and I was just really impressed. He's another one that just seems ageless and seems like he's just having a lot of fun. That is who is Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I watched some of this game too, and what impresses me is, and I've always said this, is you can take a lot of games in the NFL, and and I know it's not as simple as this, but it's who's taking your snaps and who's taking their snaps. And yes, granted, it's a mismatch when you're talking about Taylor Henneke and Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about one guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame and one guy who you know, walked off off the street and ended up being a starting quarterback to the Washington football team. But my point is, when I say that in regards to who's taking your snaps on Sundays, is the fact that the opportunities that the Washington football team had early in this game, in the red zone, inside the Packers 30, they had like four or five chances to put points up. And you know what? The great quarterbacks don't come up empty, dude. That's, That's right. the thing. That's the thing. And that's why I say, as simple as it says, as, as it sounds, who's taking your snaps and who's taking their snaps? Because my guy, who was really good, if not great, is taking snaps from me. I know four out of five times when he gets in the red zone, he's going to score. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for the Washington football team yesterday, as you mentioned, they were moving the football. But when it came to inside the 30 or in the red zone, they could not score. And some of it, if not most of it was because of quarterback play. Who's taking your snaps and who's taking my snaps? Correct. That's a great way to put it. I didn't even think about it that way, but it's 100%, 100% true. And, and, and I, yeah, I agree. I think I, I, I applaud Taylor Henneke, man. I played against him at ODU. Um, I played, actually played a one-on-one game against him, which we beat him uh, in, in, when he was in Minnesota and I was with the Dolphins my final year. And I was impressed with just, he does, he was doing the exact same things that he was doing now, just his grit and his abilities to just uh, move out of the pocket, uh, just kind of winning plays. Like, for example, I don't know, did you saw that, see that play where he, he dove in the end zone and did the Lambeau leap on third and one, and then they got stuffed on four. Like, yes. those are plays, specific plays in this game they didn't make, Rodgers did make. And that's the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback, like you said. So, um, but like, no, I, I watched a lot of this game. I, I was impressed by, by Green Bay's defense. I was even impressed by Washington's uh, defense as well. But um, I, I think they got a really solid defensive line. I don't think the season's over by any means. I think they just got to keep playing, keep sticking to the script and, and, and seeing what happens. But this Green Bay Packers team is going to be a problem, like you said. You're listening to the Monday Morning Extra Point. He's former NFL quarterback Brandon Dowdy, Len Martez. We do this every week, wrapping up the NFL. Speaking of wrapping up, Packers, Thursday night are in Arizona. So you've got two of the best teams in the NFC going at it. We'll talk about the Cardinals in a little bit. 
But let's hop over to the AFC, Brandon, if you would. Let's uh, let's talk about the AFC North because when I looked at this game on the schedule, Bengals, Ravens, sure it was a measuring stick for the Bengals, but after watching what the Ravens did last week in the dismantling of the Chargers at home, I'm thinking, ooh, the Bengals might be in it over their head. Uh, Len was wrong. <laughs> Bengals won this one 41 to 17, scoring 28 points in the second half. And I don't know about you. I know we like to talk about buying and selling. So I'm going to ask you, are you buying the Bengals? Yeah, I'm buying the Bengals. And, and there's, there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, remember how last week we talked about like the Dolphins not having an Oh, don't get me started on the Dolphins. But now, see, I get like my adrenaline pumping when you start talking about that. Anyway, um, but the Dolphins, you know how like they popping out of your head. <laughs> they don't have like an alpha on, on the offensive side of the ball. Remember we talked about that last week? Correct. Well, Joe Burrow is an alpha. I don't know if you know this. I watched a – I'm a dork. I'm a. I'm an NFL dork, bro. Like, I, I, I watch stupid stuff throughout the week because I'm just in, in, in preparation for Sunday. I watched last week's mic'd up because I was a player, and I know how those guys talk, and I know what's real and what's not real. I can kind of get a feel for that. That's God's gift he gave me. And I listened to Joe Burrows two weeks ago, and he was talking about – talking to himself. Okay, Joe, let's go. It's time to time to put on a show. And I'm like, oh, come on, bro. Like, all right, now. Okay, I, I'm a positive. It's for the mic. Person. It's for the mic. I'm thinking like, yeah, it's for the mic. Yeah, whatever, bro. Like, whatever. He goes out there and leads his drive. I mean, he's like, he's he he's screaming, you can't cover zero me. You can't cover, don't cover, don't blitz zero me. What are you doing? And I was like, okay, this guy's got some swag, bro. I kind of, I, I kind of dig this dude. But what I'm saying about that is, is this dude's an alpha. He, he, he expects to win when he walks on the field. I, I remember at the end of that, they were playing the, the – it was that Jags game, actually, when they played the Jags in Cincinnati, played each other a couple weeks ago, and he walked to, to Trevor Lawrence after the game. And Trevor, the, the for me, the jig is up. is kind of uh, – I'm a little questionable on his alphaism. I don't think he's got the alpha like Joe does. Joe walks up to him and is like, hey, bro, I promise he gets better. Like, it, I, it, I don't, I, don't, don't look at it, wins and losses – touchdown to interception ratio it gets better like I promise it it slows down for you Trevor Lawrence in the same as, as fields he's swimming bro he's moving 100 miles an hour things he's he's seeing things he's never seen in his life and Trevor Lawrence has never not started a game ever I don't think so but Joe Burrow I watched his game last night him and Jamar Chase they got some type of LSU deal going on I know I'm not behind the scenes. I don't know what happened when it came to that pick. I know they, they're pretty loaded at receiver with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And then they get to Chase, and I'm like, huh? You know, like, well, why would they do that? And it seems like th this quarterback reached, stuck his neck out for this kid. And his and he he has relayed the message to this kid to say, hey, bro, I stuck my neck out for you. You better do something for me. And Jamar Chase is, is easily be becoming top 10 receiver in the NFL, if not the rookie of the year. Um, so I, I like watching this team. I think they, they run the ball pretty efficiently and they do a good job. Joe Mixon's phenomenal. I personal opinion. He could do, he gets you in multiple ways. He doesn't miss protection, which is dope to me as a, as, as a slow white quarterback. <laughs> I like what I, I like when a, when a running back picks up a blitz, man, it just gets me excited. So, but Joe, Joe can do it, do it for him. They play good defense. Uh, they got a tight end that's utilized. I think that's undervalued in this league is a good tight end. Every team that's a good 
team in, in this league has a tight end that's a security blanket for these these teams, especially late in the season. So uh, I think they are real. And then on the opposite side, I'm I, I don't know. I think they got a they got too much carousel going on with these running backs, man. I don't know what the what what everybody's uh, obsession with Le'Veon Bell is, bro. But somebody needs to just tell tell uh, Harbaugh. I mean, Le'Veon's past his prime, but we need to. If, if this game wasn't a indication that um, if Murray is your court, is your running back, Latavius Murray is your running back. I don't know what is. You know, I've I've said it all year, not because he's on my fantasy team, and I feel like I want it, want him to do really well, but he's the best compliment to Lamar. He's a big dude. He's downhill runner. He's a one cut back rather than North these South. cute guys. Yep. No. Yeah. It's rather than these cute guys that try to go back there and make three or four different cuts. Man, the, Lamar it will do that for you. That's cool. You need a change up, uh, change up running back. Latavius Murray. He's gonna he's gonna fall forward for four every play. And when they were at their best, when they were running at their best, Latavius was in the game, or they had a dude named Mark Ingram in the backfield. So I, I, I think that they need to stop playing with these running backs because communication, it seems like it's been kind of lacking and they're not getting the, the most production out of their backs and it's leaking into their offense performance. You mentioned Joe Burrow, that alpha dog, 416 yards yesterday, career high for him. What stuck out for me in this game, and not only the Jamal Chase 201 yards receiving, by the way, he's got 754 receiving yards on the season in the first seven games of his NFL career. That's the most of any wide receiver in his story. You also mentioned the tight end, CJ Uzuma, who had two touchdown catches. But I bring up Burrow because of this and this fact. They had 520 yards of offense, all right? But they lost the time of possession. And obviously, when you're talking about the Ravens, they're going to run the football as much as they do. And they're going to control the clock. But the Bengals won this football game, Brandon, because of big plays, man. Big plays from Joe Burrow, 55 yards, 32 yards, 82 yards. All those big plays from Joe Burrow. And, you know, as much as we want to talk about, you know, running the football and controlling the football, it's also about making those big plays too. And the Bengals have been making those big plays all season long. Yeah, they have. And, 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 you know, like we, we all talk about, you know, you got to control the clock and be able to do that. When the opportunity presents itself to make the big play, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T Higgins, when his name's called Tyler Boyd, when his name's called and big Who's a Mazada? Who's who's a who Mazada? I don't know how you say it. How you say it? Uzuma. Uzuma. Yeah, Uzuma. man, he makes CJ Uzuma. Big, CJ's a, a big play waiting to happen, man. He's just so big, so physical. He's never gonna get double teamed. I'm interested to see, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, but who's getting doubled on this team? I haven't studied them enough to understand, and it's hard. You can't you can't study Baltimore with their jump defense. They play that cover zero, eight up stuff. We talked about it last week that, that you can't really, they're not doubling really anybody. They might cloud a receiver or, or play a cover two to a receiver or something to try to slow them down. But I'm interested to see because of Jamar Chase's rise, if he starts seeing little double teams and how he handles that, because that's that's the difference between for me and a great receiver and an elite receiver. Because Jamar Chase is a great receiver. We, and it's so funny because we talked about preseason a couple minutes ago, the drops. He, he had the drops. Yeah, and he had the drops, and everybody was like, "Man, he stinks. He's writing them off." Man, should have no, drafted no. Penny Sewell. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to protect this quarterback. No, no, no. You need to run the football. You need to set your quarterback up with easy completions, non-thinking completions. What I mean by that, non-thinking. I don't want to go through and have to re-mic, have to re-go through a menu of three different plays on every single play, man. By the fourth quarter, I'm toast. When, I, when the play needs to be hit, made and that decision needs to be perfect, I can't make it because I've been just so – um, skewed for three quarters. So uh, they've done a really good job. I, I think uh, uh, they've just, they've set him up with easy completions and they've done a good job of just not really making him comfortable, making him confident, but it's a credit to the coaching staff. And it's also a credit to Joe Burrow and the you know, 10 other guys on his roster that have just made him look really good. Before we move on to the next game in the AFC, let me ask you, seven days ago, we were talking about how the Ravens defense took apart the Chargers offense. How impressed are you that the Bengals were able to not only put up the yards they put up, but have those big plays against the Ravens at home, that dog defense? Yeah, man. And, and, and you, you could tell Joe, Joe spends a lot of time in this film study. He knows where he's weak. And what I mean by that is, he knows what I'm not very good at. And one of the things he's going to be good at being the number one pick and, he, and seeing it and throwing the ball as much as he did last year before he got hurt, he saw a lot of coverages. He's, he, he, he got every rep in practice. He got every rep in a game until he got hurt. And so why that, why is that important, Brennan? I have no idea. So what? He's a number one pick. He should get all important. Yeah, yeah, it is. But to play a, a, a team like Baltimore – and their defense and their junk defense that they're going to play with the eight up guys with the double mugs going on, being able to communicate protections to all 11 guys. That just shows me the game is slowing down for him. And he's in the, that, that work that he's putting in that product you see on Sunday is a product of what is going on throughout the week. He knew when he was going to play, what, what, what he was going to expect on third down versus the Baltimore Ravens. I know what it is, but I don't know where they're coming from. That's, that's the difference between seventh-round Brandon Dowdy, who hasn't played uh, – don't play many snaps, and Joe Burrow, number one pick, who's gotten all those reps. And it takes his film study so seriously. Uh, really impressive win. Uh, really an eye-opening win to the league. But the Bengals are for real, and they can win it in a multiple two ways because some of the games, Joe's throwing 22, 23 attempts. They're rushing it 50 times, and now he throws the 38 for 416. Like – as a defense, you're on your heels. You don't know what's coming at you. If we're going to run down your throat, we're going to throw it over top. We're going to throw these RPOs. We don't know what to defend because they're so multiple, and that's what makes them dangerous. He's Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback, Len Martez, the Monday morning extra point. Let's move on. Sticking in the AFC, but let's move on to a game that took place in Tennessee yesterday. Titans, Chiefs, Titans win this one 27-3. to Titans are now five and two, just like the other two teams we mentioned, the Bengals and the Ravens in the AFC. Chiefs are now three and four. They've lost two of their last three games. They've only won one game in the conference this year. And we talk about the Chiefs defense, and we can turn and talk about how the Titans played, but we talked about the Chiefs defense throughout the season, that being the reason why they may have four losses. But, man, yesterday was about the offense, too. Put up three points and went scoreless in the first half, had 67 total yards in the first half. And as it is right, right now, Brandon, they've already committed as many turnovers as they had all of last year 
in the first seven games this year. Yep. And I, I, my opinion on the Chiefs is a couple things. One, I, I, I think that the success, the death of success arrow has hit the Chiefs. They, what do I mean by that? They've been successful. They've been getting away with things. They've been winning games. So uh, why do I have to be at 12 yards depth? I could be at 10 yards and Pat's just going to find me. They're missing like plays that they usually are routine for them. I'm like not even seeing Pat and Kelsey on the same page. And it's like, well, you know what that is? That's not a product of man. Pat has lost his accuracy. Pat's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not, he's, he, he needs to work on his motion. No, it's a fact of Travis Kelsey, him and Pat don't know what they're going to do on each and every play. And they didn't know what they wanted to do last year. They just got away with it where this year they're not getting away with it. They're being held accountable for it. That's the one thing that I think they're just very sloppy. They, and, and I might be thinking this way, way too much into this, but for me, they don't, they're missing a leader, a veteran leader on the offensive side of the ball. And it's hard to bring in an, a veteran leader that can tell a guy that just signed a contract for a half a billion dollars that he's wrong. It just, it, it just don't happen. Pat knows he can go out there and play the way he wants to play. And he ain't being benched. Why? Because they just made a $500 million investment in me. So I can play whoever. And that causes sloppiness. That's the arrow of success. Success, I've made a lot of money. Success, I've won an MVP. Success, I've made it to two straight Super Bowls. Where the, where the difference between Tom Brady, seven rings, and Patrick Mahomes still trying to chase Tom Brady and will always chase Brown Brady unless he understands business is business. Off the field is off the field. And I think only say that because I just I just feel like this team has had so many excuses. Man, it's not the it's the offensive line. Man, it's their lack of being able to not being able to run the football. What, what about Patrick Mahomes? He's not playing very well. He's inaccurate as more inaccurate than I've ever seen him. His footwork is so sloppy. It's like he throws one three steps on a rope in the beginning of, the, of every game, like the first two drives, he's in rhythm, he's dropping back, going through his progressions, and then he gets on this slate where one or two things go off, and then he's rolling right automatically, rolling left, trying to throw left and throwing it, throw, rolling left, throwing it right, and doing all these crazy things when he just doesn't do the, the fundamentals. And I'm only tough on him because I'm a Pat guy. Like, I love Mahomes. I think he's – I truly think he's the most talented quarterback mentally – and physically the hit in the history of the game. I think he's could potentially be the best of all time. If he keeps his mindset, like Tom's mindset is, which is hard to do. That's why there's a lot of copycats, but he's also making a half a billion dollars. So when you get on that pedestal, making that much money, you're really on that pedestal and nobody can really tell you what to do. And it's just, I, I think they need a veteran guy in that offense to clean them up, to make them say, hey, we're going to go through the read. If it's Andy Reid that does it, if it's another offensive coach that's been around the league for 10, 15 years, it needs to happen. Somebody needs to come in there. They need to have a, you know, uh, a sit down one-on-one -on -one with that offense and say, hey, we need, we are not doing these things right. These are the sloppy things that have happened and accumulated through two years of success. And this is what we need to change. You want different results? You got to change something. You can't do the same thing over and over and over again and do this and, and expect different results. So I, I, I'm, I'm nervous about this team. They're at a pivotal point in the season where their defense is not very good, but their offense is kind of struggling at the same time. 
that they can go one of two ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm favoring towards them just not having a good year and, and, and underachieving from the previous years based on the talent that they have. All right. So we've, uh, we settled the chief situation when it comes to what's wrong with them, but let's talk about what's right about the only undefeated team in the NFL. We saved the best for last because one, if not both of us, has been fighting. I mean, fighting to buy the Arizona Cardinals, who were winners last last night, 31 to 5 over the Texans. Cardinals are now 7 and 0. As I mentioned, the only undefeated team in the NFL left. Texans are now 1 and 6. Cardinals in this game scored 31 unanswered points. Here's the thing, Brandon, and you can tell me whether or not you're buying or selling them yet. But yesterday, surprisingly enough, the Cardinals rushed for 172 yards and had over 4.5 yards per carry. And that's been our biggest beef. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to wonder if they're actually getting it because it's not just about the spread offense. If they're running at 172 rushing yards a game. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have uh, showed a little bit more commitment to the run. Uh, I think I mean, it sounds crazy for all for five of the good plays Kyler's going to make running the football. He's going to make five or six, like what in the world plays? It, it hurts the average, in my opinion. So I'm still and I might be selling um, low. I might not be getting my full profit margin on them, but I'm still selling on Arizona. I watched a lot of this game yesterday and I don't know what it is. And I, I do know what it is. I don't think that is it a level of physicality? It's yeah, it's it's I don't think they there there's no way they can sustain what they're doing when when the mother nature hits. Like they can't play the 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 brand of football that they're playing when mother nature hits. And but I, offensively, I'm, offensively, I don't mean to interrupt you, but offensively, huh. is there is it a is there you know how it is when 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 you talk about there comes a time in every run a team makes, Super Bowl winning team makes where they just find a way to get in, engulfed in smash mouth, where yeah. there's a level of physicality that you know. You may not need it every game, but there is, a, there is a game that you do need it, and it's in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Is that the reason why you don't buy the Cardinals? Because it's not in their toolbox, that level of physicality? No, it's it's you're 100 percent right. Every good team to do it. If I think about all the good th- teams throughout the the history of the league, the Bucks can do it. They smash them out the football <laughs> throughout the second half of that season like it was nothing. Two, uh, Green Bay Packers can smash it in your face, and they want to smash it in your face. The Chiefs uh, difference between the Chiefs and Kyler Murray and the Kyler Murray Arizona Cardinals is, in my opinion, I don't he. he I used to like like the way he plays. Like I thought it was aesthetically pleasing. Like those those crazy plays that he makes, and he reverses field, then reverses again, then reverses again, and then he finds somebody streaking down the side. And I used to think that was cool. But more, I like understand. It's become like their norm. Like they've gotten too caught up in scramble drill is our number one priority. And Kyler's gotten to a point where he's so worried about self-preservation that he'll go one read then look the rush lane and drop down the ground and it's like 
I don't, I don't know if they can keep doing what they're doing from a physicality standpoint. I think their defense is legit. I think they play, I think they're Vance, Vance Joseph, who I've been around. Um, he, one, he's the, one of the best dudes I've ever been around in my life. He's an ex quarterback. He's like always, he understands offensive schemes. He understands like offensive where my my problems are in two man he knows like where my problems are in cover four and he identifies those and tries to you know make them his strengths to confuse defenses so I think that's why he's done a really good job on that side of the ball but let's be let's be real Lenny let's not try to make this thing more than what it is the Texans suck I mean they're in full rebuild mode and we're trying to make this in they can they, they rushed for 187 on a, where they where they rushed the ball in the second half a million times and they were just eating out the clock. They had those uber wide splits to try to make you defend the entire field and made that box as clean as possible for Edmonds and James Conner to run and run wild. So um, I think when it comes down to having to play man on man, physical versus physical, my team's better than yours. I need to get a one yard without Kyler going minus 10 and then rushing for 13. Um, I I don't think it, it, it's sustainable enough injury wise and efficient-wise when Mother Nature comes in to end. Two things before we move on to our last subject. One is the fact that the thing that kind of was a little bit iffy about their win yesterday, as much as the Texans, as you mentioned, do suck, they got to Kyler Murray four times. And if they can get to him four times, there are going to be other teams that are going to get to him. And that's the risk that you have when you have him playing quarterback, okay? So – all that running around and that there's, there's that risk of, and like, like any NFL team, you lose your starting quarterback and for the most part, you're toast, you're done. That's number one. Number two is coming up on Thursday night, although it's a home game for the Cardinals, we get to see them go up against a team that doesn't suck in the Packers, who is also six and one. These two teams match up. There's one loss between them. So Thursday night, we get another barometer to find out whether or not we'll buy or sell the Cardinals moving forward. But the thing about it, as I mentioned earlier, is the fact that for me, it's a matter of, okay, you may not need to be physical and run the football this game, but you at least have to have it in your toolbox, your belt to pull it out when you need it. And I don't know if they have it. So that's why I don't buy. That's the main reason why I don't buy them. I mean, last year we watched it. We watched the Steelers go 11-0, right? But we all knew at some point they were going to have to run the football. And ironically, the same running back that was on that team is on this team with James mm-hmm. Conner. And no knock on him, but the bottom line is the fact that the Steelers lost last year. They lost four of their last five games because they couldn't run the football. Correct. And Arizona, great. We win games in September and October, maybe even in November, but what are you going to do moving forward? That's that's the main reason why I don't buy. No, I don't buy them. You're, I'm on the same exact page. The sacks are a huge thing, and I don't think that Kyler is playing mentally. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Like mentally, I don't think he's playing at a high level with where he understands exactly where everybody's going to be. He relies too much on his athletic ability and his scramble drill tactics. And I'm more athletic than you, which he's an absolute unbelievable freak of nature. Uh, first and foremost. I, I mean, so he relies on that to make plays, to make to okay, it's third and 12. I just took a six-yard sack. I'm cool. Where everybody in the league, watch Peyton and Eli tonight. They're going to say third and 12, 
you give me screen or draw and let me finish this drive with a kick. Not Kyler Murray. He's thinking, how am I can run back around here and they'll drop eight and I'll just find somebody open. It's just like, I don't think they can stand it. And also, also honestly, dude, I don't think, I don't, I don't know why, but I just like, I don't know what it is about Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Here we go. He always, bro, he always got like this, like deer in the headlights look and the, like, I don't know why he just ain't got that like leader alpha let's do this thing he just looks like a like he's just happy to be there like a fan i don't know he he just he he, he i don't know i just i just i don't i'm not buying this team uh i know you got everyone that listens and you think i'm kind of crazy sometimes actually no we kind of on the same page but i, I would have told you why i don't buy it's, it's too finesse bro it's way too finesse yeah again the physicality thing is, is something that sticks out to me and i, I mean i've watched it enough to know you know, at some point, you're going to have to be a physical football team when if you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to continue right. winning in the playoffs as the competition gets better and better. You talked about it when it came to the level of, of how Tom Brady plays different, different levels, different speeds of the game because of the competition changes from the regular season to the playoffs and each level of the playoffs. Well, it's the same thing as far as the team concepts concerned. The level of the of the teams that you're playing competition wise gets better and better, and at some point the Cardinals are going to run up against a team that may be able to take away what they do offensively. And at that standpoint, it's like, okay, well, that's all we got. That's all we have. We don't have anything else. And that's why I say, at some point, in your tool belt in your toolbox, you got to have the physicality standpoint of being able to have balance and run the football and. Great to win games in September and October, November, but I'm not I'm not buying it as of yet. So we're Amen. we're in agreement when it comes to that. You mentioned being you mentioned being fans. Um, I certainly, both of us, we lived in South Florida at, at some point in our lives, and you grow growing up there playing for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, before you and I wrap up the Monday morning extra point, former NFL quarterback Brandon Dowdy and Len Martez, I want to ask you about the Miami Dolphins. Not so much the game because. They lost again this one to the Falcons in a game that they potentially should have won. But the Dolphins are now one at six. But the bigger question in Miami right now, the big, big one of the biggest questions in the NFL is the fact that the trading deadline's coming up, and there are huge rumors about them potentially trading for Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans. Hasn't played a game this year. We all know the reasons why. But I wanted to get your idea in regards to putting him on the Miami Dolphins, because I have, I have my thoughts when it comes to it. I'll also say this, and you talk about Tua, and Tua may not be that alpha dog, but the Dolphins lost the last two games. It wasn't because of quarterback play. No. That, I, I, I mean, I, listen, the last two I'm games. I'm convinced it was not. The last two games, he may have not been perfect, but on a scale of 1 to 10, he was at least an 8.5, if not what, a 9. What? Well, then what's the difference you put the Zon in there? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, what's yeah. the difference? It, it, your, your issues in the Dolphins are not the quarterback position. I'm not saying Tua is good or he is elite or he is going to be a, the best quarterback in the league and he's going to be a Super Bowl winning team player. But I think, one, I think that's the best, that's the best uh, representation, the best Tua Tagovailoa you're going to see. 
Why I say that? He's mo- the most motivated he's ever going to be. He hears what's going on. He knows his team is looking for a quarterback, and they're coming to replace me. No, wait a second. I am a number five pick. I'm a national championship quarterback. I'm Tua Tagovailoa. This is the best I'm going to play. One. Two, the Dolphins' issues, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but, but everything that I have heard about Brian Flores is he is disciplined. He is no games. He is business. He is no off-the-field distractions. When's the last time a, a Miami Dolphin under Brian Flores has gotten in trouble? Never. And why do they draft Tua Tagovailoa? No off-the-field issues. He's a good case in the book. He's doing all the right things. He's a good leader. You bring in a guy like, and now this is where, as, as and, it, and, and stars are aligning for Deshaun to come. His offensive coordinator from a year ago is, is now the offensive coordinator to Miami Dolphins. His best friend and wide receiver, his number one receiver in Houston is Will Fuller. He is a Miami Dolphin. They need a quarterback. I'm hearing there's some locker room talk about Fuller and him saying, that, oh, don't worry about it. Deshaun's coming. It's one size fit all. This is exactly where we're going to be. We had this thing planned, which I'm not buying. The last thing I'm going to say is you have to decide as a head coach. And everyone that says, everyone that thinks that the GM is the only one that makes a decision on roster moves is absolutely crazy. A bad GM will not get his coach involved in the decision at all that's a terrible gm those guys are gone that, that it, there is a there's a, a communication barrier that happens to say who do you want or who do you feel is best for this system now if i'm brian flores if i'm chris greer i have to sit down and have a conversation i know that i have i have as brian flores i have echoed discipline i've echoed respect i've echoed looking people in the eye uh better men better husbands better why better i'm sorry better fathers that's who i want on my team now you bring in a guy like this sean watson he goes against everything you've relayed into this team the framework that you have set for this team for the past three years does that make a wrinkle does that lose your credibility so what are you trying to say are you are you so consumed in your job and having a job securities that it seems like this is the last Hail Mary for Brian Flores to keep his job, or are you going to stay on your morals and stay on the things that got you there, the respect, the because we all know he's got off the field issues. Yeah, everybody deserves a second chance, 100%. But you take this kid and he don't play, he gets on the commissioner's list, then what? Now you're out of a, no, you're going to play Jacoby percent. We just saw what happened there. He's back. It, 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 it's, so the risk reward, you have to understand, by the way Tua has played the past two games, you have to understand, I can get a kid in his peak, but I'm not 100% sure if he's even going to play. Do I want the off-the-field distractions from this kid that's going to be brought into this organization, or do I want to keep my clean slate? That's what they have to do. And I, I, I personally think they have to stick with the Tua deal they have to stick with him they drafted him give him another year bro he's only played what i think last night was his 13th game as a miami Dolphin. like give, i mean the kid's got more than 13 in him he's top five pick in the nfl draft so let's see what he does and i know he's got uh like 18 offensive coordinators in three years why don't we get some get him some consistency and see what happens here's the thing you mentioned flores the head coach brian flores of the miami dolphins you mentioned general manager chris greer what you didn't mention and you talked about the, the decision makers for most, if not all, the decisions. But this decision may be out of their hands. 
it may be in the owner's hand, Stephen Ross, a man that you know who, who oh, you play who you play for, who's watching his stadium go from the sitting capacity seventy five thousand to going down to fifty to forty, half filled. You got Brandon. You got a you got more than a half a season left of football, and you got home games, and Stephen Ross is watching. It. His stadium be half full, and if the and if it's not half full, it's only because the visiting teams fans are showing up, whether it be the Buffalo's in, in town, yeah, Jets are in town, as bad as the Jets are, the Jet fans overrun South Florida when they when they come to to Hard Rock Stadium. Whomever it is that's going to show up on Hard Rock Stadium, their fans are going to override the Miami Dolphins fans because the Dolphin fans are not showing up to games because their team is one and six and they stink. So Stephen Ross is watching all this. As much as you said, whatever you said in regards to Flores is concerned, and it's all correct. And it's correct when it comes to Chris Greer having a conversation with Brian Flores, but ultimately the decision being Chris Greer's, except for this one. It's a Stephen Ross deal. And yeah. if Stephen Ross wants Deshaun Watson on his football team, he's going to get Deshaun Watson on his football team. And he's only going to get him again. He's all, it's not because of play. It is not because of play. Because no. the Dolphins aren't losing games because of quarterback play. He's getting it so he can put people in the freaking seats. That is it. I think that I, there's another thing. I was just kind of thinking about this as you were talking. And, it may, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely crazy for it. But do you think the Tua Tagovailoa pick was Stephen Ross? Hear me out. He's the number one. Jersey selling player in the NFL last year. Tua, Tua jerseys were number one over Tom Brady. Over Tua was number one. You think that was Stephen Ross too? Because coming off a hip, that's a that's a that's a rough injury, man. Unproven. I mean, he was he had some serious surgery, reconstructive surgery on that hip. I think Stephen Ross made that pick, forced their hands to make that Tua talk about the pick. In my personal opinion, if you so, gave. Two if for you two. gave me no, if you gave me money to bet either way, I'd bet on the fact that yeah, Ross had influence on that pick Absolutely. because it's the same deal. Try it's, to sell it's, it's try to sell try to sell tickets. Listen, and, 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 and even when, it, when it was going on, when it was going on, and, and, and look, Dolphin fans can clamor for Herbert now, and we already talked about the fact that even if you put Herbert on the Miami Dolphins, you're not automatically going to get the same guy who's playing in, in, in LA and putting up the numbers he's putting up there. That's number one. Number two is before the draft, the clamor was for Tua, not just Steven Ross, but the fan base and everyone in Miami Correct. wanted Tua. So think in Correct. terms of had they drafted Herbert at that draft and the backlash that they would have gotten whether you say it's right or wrong, based off of how they play the NFL now, but if they did it at the draft, I mean, they'd have been upside down in, in Miami in regards to drafting Herbert over Tua. They wanted Tua, and I, and I agree with you. Was there an influence from Stephen Ross? If I had to bet, I'd bet yes. Well, even if, even if you look at it from just a, a schematic standpoint, they were not really winning a lot of games, but they weren't losing games because because of Fitz. Tua comes in there and completes three or four balls in a relief duty. Fitz is on the sideline cheering his butt off, and then all of a sudden Tua is a starting quarterback. 
that wasn't a that wasn't a, a performance base because my boy Fitzpatrick was lighting it up. And so from that standpoint, you're right. And I never even thought about it that way. And I'm, 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 I'm humble enough to admit that when you got me, bro, like that, nah, I truly a hundred, and I truly a hundred percent agree that I think that Steven Ross will 100% play more of an influence than Chris or Flores. Why? Because both of them seats are both warming up Chris a little bit more than Brian is because of what he did the, you know, last year with the 10 and eight, 10 and six record. So We'll see what happens. I, I, I'm, I, I would, I'd be a lying man if I was excited. If Deshaun came down there, I can't support nobody with all those allegations. I'm, I, I pray that he, that it all works out for him and that he gets a second chance. But man, I'm about to be a father of a girl, and so like I, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. You, I think about it this way, bro. Like you're a, and and this is a little bit off topic, but if you're a, if you're a dude that you're in Texas, you're playing Texas football, and you got to call a massage therapist from LA. I don't even care if no one else said anything about anything. You got to call a girl from LA in the Mecca of Texas being a franchise quarterback. Something's up. Something's going, if you can't get a, can't get somebody to give you a massage in the state of Texas, the biggest football state in the world. And you, Deshaun Watson, you're not the, you know, who's the, who's the, other? you're not anybody else. Davis anybody Mills. Else. <laughs> Davis Mills. You're not, you know, you're not the, uh, what was it? Case Keenum. You're not that. You're, you're TJ Yates. Watson, you're man. not TJ Yates. Yates. No, you're not Yates. That's my guy too. Uh, but <laughs> TJ, no, you're not them. You're just not watching and you're flying in people from Vegas and Georgia. I think another girl was from some, some don't add up. Right. I don't care if it's proven, alleged, not alleged NFL needs to take action no matter what. And you don't, that's the second side of it. Who knows if he says, Oh, I'll play. I'm, I'm, I'll start week eight. I'm, I'm in there going to play it. The NFL says, no, hold up, hold up. Cancer culture, women, sexist, sexism, women rights being very high where it is right now. Who knows? They say they shut them down for the year just to try to brush it on the table for another year. Who knows? So uh, I, I, I pray for the best for him. I hope he, it all works out, but I will be more than likely off the train if they get Deshaun. And it sounds awful because that's my team. No, your personal thoughts are, you aren't alone on your personal thoughts. A lot of folks have those same thoughts as much as I talked about in regards to wanting to fill up that stadium and wanting to make a splash with the trade like that. There are some folks like yourself who feel that they would, they would not support the Miami Dolphins if they make this deal. He's Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback, Len Martez, the Monday morning extra point as we wrap up week seven in the NFL. Speaking of week seven in the NFL, it wraps up tonight. Saints at the Seahawks. Don't look now, but uh, Jameis Winston's on pace to throw for 40 touchdowns. But that's a whole other subject because we get to talk about <laughs> Jameis next week when the Bucs and Saints go at it. Again, he's Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Dowdy. Follow myself, Len Martez at Elmar810. This is the Monday Morning Extra Point, a Bucks Nation podcast. <laughs>